Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino. Now, here's your host, Dave Wyman. Hey, welcome to Hawks Live. We're here live at the Snoqualmie Casino. It's the penultimate Hawks Live. That's a $25 wow. word for saying second to last. Second to last Hawks Live here. Before we get into, uh, got Paul Moyer and Michael Bumpus. I'm Dave Wyman, and uh, we're going to get into, we're going to do our own opponent preview this time. I like it. We don't need anybody no, else. we don't need no stinking preview. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, later on, we're going to talk on the phone with Cody Barton. Uh, we'll talk to Professor John Clayton, of course, and then Paul Gallant from the morning show. Uh, he had a uh, little video game, NBA 2K. 2020 with George Fant. He you know, tapes that, and uh, you know they play a little video game and have a little chat. What's the last video game you played, Dave? Um, hmm, it was called Age of Empires on my computer. About 10 or 12 years ago, I would spend like four or five hours on that, and I'm like, you know, the time I spent this year playing that video game, I could have learned another language. <laughs> I could have learned how to play the guitar. I could have done all kinds of things, so I made myself stop. But how about you? Um, I had to whoop my son in Madden yeah. last night to yeah, remind him. You. Oh, okay. By the way, we're, we're giving it, we, he and I just did a little uh, fist pump there. Cause, yeah, for those of you, you that are listening on yes. radio, what about you? God, this is, I was praying you guys wouldn't even ask me this. Because uh, I used to be Pong. a video king. No, I, I was a video guy that my kids, I would come home from work or I'd be traveling. And back then it was a lot of uh, Nintendo. Yeah. And, and yeah. I would always, I would stay up till 2 o'clock in the morning. And I would beat the levels. They'd come down the next morning and, and oh, Dad, I can't believe you did that. But I, I kid you not, it, it, was, it was like Super Mario Kart is how long ago it's yeah. been because oh well, i mentioned pong because that came out by atari yeah, and you, that was Dave. really just a paddle it was went hard up and Dave. down yeah. and a ball that and that was like fascinating to everyone but centipede as, centipede you know yeah, centipede you're going, was good. that was a tough one as much as i would like to talk about paul's let's exploits keep let's of keep video going, games Dave. let's get <laughs> into on. what happened last week yeah how about that against the minnesota vikings and uh, listen i I thought the, the most important thing coming out of that game was, first of all, putting 218 yards, once again, on a top 10 run defense. Yeah. And that's a physical front seven. I mean, Linval, Joseph, Shamar, Steven, uh, Griffin. I mean, uh, their linebacker core is really good. Yeah, Daniel Hunter. Barr, Kendrick. They, yeah, they punched him in the mouth and you know put 218 yards on him. And then, you know, Pretty hard-hitting defensive performance, and my favorite play, guys, was Quandre Diggs yeah, coming yeah. up and smoking uh, Irv Smith Jr., who's our tight end. But uh, what was the thing uh, for you guys that was the most impressive about that win? Um, I think for me it was that we – I felt like we dominated a really good football team, and I know the score ended up being much closer than it was. Mm -hmm. And even at, at halftime, and Bump, you and I talked about it, it – I felt like we were in control of that game, even though we were down 17 to 10. I, I felt we gave them everything. That first drive, we missed two tackles. It was 67 yards with their 83. You know, I, I thought there was three. There could have been. Jaron Reed had I, one I, that was I maybe. Could, yeah, I could. 
What yes. was the what was the yardage that you had? Extra Six, yardage? I think it was 60, 63. 63, 60, between sixty three and sixty seven. I can't remember yeah, now. Right. Um, but it, you know, they were too big because the the first one was the one on KJ where he tried to shoulder tackle, and that was for thirty seven yards. Right. Um, the next one was digs on digs, and that was about twenty twenty six, twenty seven. Yeah, it was up. I want to say it was t- about sixty three yards when I when I added it up at the time. Yeah. Um, and and so again, we to me we gave that to them. You know, you throw the crazy intercept. Right. So now there's 14 points, and then I just thought the way we played the, the two-minute, not even a two-minute drill, I just thought we didn't manage the clock, sorry, Pete, very well. We, we, we could have easily have gotten that well under a minute when we went into that final two or three plays and left them with you know no time left on the clock. Um, doesn't matter. We're down 17-10. I felt like we were in control. I felt like we were dominating the offensive side. Here's what it really struck me. You asked that question. You know what struck me is I thought we made a really good football team look not very good. And, you know, on offense and defense. I just, if we played them again, I, got, I think we beat them eight, nine, ten out of time, or eight, nine out of ten times. So that's what impressed me. It was that, to me, a signature win that I felt we dominated. And we, we've had some good signature wins. You go to the Rams. You know, San Francisco, certainly, and then and Minnesota game, all three, you know, barn burners uh, to, to an extent. Um, I just feel we're, we're peaking at the right time. Yeah, I, I look back at that game. The thing that impressed me the most are the, the names that are popping up. Rasheem Green made a play. Uh, McDougal had a, had a uh, fumble that he scooped up. Tyler Lockett didn't have his best game. I think he's still affected by the injury and the illness. So DK Metcalf steps up with six catches, 75 yards. Uh, Jacob Hollister at that tight end spot where the, the Hawks have lost three tight ends this year. Jacob Hollister steps up with, with uh, six catches for 44. And then you look at that backfield, you've got a two-headed monster now. And not only did Rashad Penny help in the run game, he helped in the pass game too. He had four catches for 33 yards and a touchdown. So it's just the way that they're producing now. They're producing on defense um, by causing turnovers, making plays. And now on, on the offensive side, Guys are stepping up. Now you feel like you can rely on a penny. You can rely on a DK Metcalf, even though he still had his fumble. We want to get rid of that. Um, Josh Gordon, he's just Mr. Slant. All he does is run a slant these days. Is a third down. You want to isolate him. You put him on the other side of a trips. Boom, you got a slant there. So it's just I like seeing different names pop up on the stat sheet. It's nice to have your, your go-to guys, your Lockets, your Carson, your, uh, your Russell. But when everyone starts to join the party, when Trey Flowers has two weeks in a row where he has a pick, that's awesome. So the more names that fill up the stat sheet, the better. When you get deep into the playoffs and it's time to make a play, you're going to rely on your go-tos. But every now and then, you need a David Moore to step up and have a catch for 60 yards and a touchdown. It's all about those twos and threes contributing early so that later in the playoffs, you know you can count on them. That's Michael Bumpus. We're, it's Hawks Live up here at the Snoqualmie Casino. Paul Moyer also. Um, you know, I thought the, the thing about Rashad Penny is he's starting to get confidence now. And he's a very physical player. He's very interesting to watch because he does not look like he's moving that fast. Yeah. But he's got great feet. He runs away from people. That 2018 draft, I think, is going to be the 2012 draft. Starting to be pretty good. Disley, I talked to Will down on the field before uh, the game started, and you know he's coming off that uh, surgery on his Achilles, and he's had patella tendon Achilles now, and he was basically giving me the pep talk that I was prepared to give him. And you know, he's like, hey, you know what? I, I felt sorry for myself for a little while, but you know, there was some of that. But now I'm just I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm working hard. I'm, I'm going to get over it. But, I mean, he's part of that group where, you know, Rashad Penny now coming on. You mentioned Rasheem Green. 
love that kid, Michael Dixon, and and really Fla- Jacob Martin, yeah. who we traded away. He, How far he's back down there. was Flowers in that group too? Right? Yeah, Trey yeah, Flowers Trey is Flowers. in that group, and uh, Jamarco Jones too. Oh, God, Jamarco, so. he, we, they got to find more playing time for him. The first series, yeah. he's, his first series he was in, the way he widened that go- or the tackle and. That was Carson's best run at the point in the game. Let me let me ask you guys this. Take away Russell Wilson. Which position right now is playing the best? And it, it's it's one of those I've been racking my brain about. And Based I, on la- the last just, game? Just, let's just go to the last uh, four games. Let's break yeah. things out into quarters. I'd say D-line. Yeah, yeah, I think that's been the difference. And uh, I talked to Jaron Reed today. He was talking about how they've turned him loose. Yeah. A little bit. And then later on the day, we talked to Quentin Jefferson, and he said, yeah, we were kind of moving sideways a little bit. Now they're going north-south, and they're just all out pass rush, you know, letting them do what they do best. And I think that's been the biggest difference. Uh, the safeties are playing really well Yeah, together. I was going to say secondary. secondary. Mm-hmm. I, I love the addition of Quandre. He come, he's coming down. He's making plays. He has a pick. Trey Flowers has a couple of picks in the last two or three weeks. Uh, Shaquille's holding down the other side. I believe he's, like, top three in the league when it comes to pass yeah. defenses. Um, McDougal's and, making plays McDougal's all over the field. making plays. I mean, yeah. he, ha- he has a, a pick and, and, a, and a, a fumble recovery in the last few weeks. So I really like the play of the secondary. You know, because I, I, the reason why I asked that, I, I went and watched the game. You know, as you guys know, we, we, we're, we get the, the end zone or coaches reel. And I just I, I, I really need to see. I go, are they as good as I think they're playing right now? And you don't know until you really watch the, the tape. They're playing that well. And, yeah. and it's not just the secondary, but, boy, the secondary is tight on coverage. They're now making the quarterback have to make really tough contested throws, and they have to make a really quick decision. Usually turnovers start coming from that, and we've seen that over the last three games. The offensive line is starting yeah. to wear teams down. We are so big and massive. In, in most of this league, we're going to find out th- this week, most of this league is about rushing the quarterback. They're not about taking on the run. And so now we're getting into this fourth quarter where – you know, Dave, and, and you know, Bump, you, you get worn down. I mean, this is really the 16th game. You've already played 16 games counting preseason. We played 12, you know, and then we're, yeah, we played 12 or 10 and 2. You're tired. You're beat up. And, man, it's those are the most fickle, or they're physical and big who really start to make a difference there. And then I look at the defensive line. I go, man, what they're doing. And, you know, they're, they're doing a great job against the run, and they're still getting pressure. Clowney is ridiculous. I mean, you go and watch this last tape, and he doesn't and show up in the stats. He's not even fully healthy. It, it, and he doesn't show up a ton in the stats, you guys, but in the run game and just the pressure and the hustle yeah. and just the little things. And it's the little things that matter if you're going to be a special team. And 10-2 and two is special. You There's talk, very few teams. You talk about there. the little things. I saw. There was a play I saw Anza run all the way to the sideline he didn't make the play i think it was like a screen play that the vikings ran but he ran all the way to the sideline and was there just in case um so that lets me know that he's getting healthy too he's getting into shape because uh man you ask you ask a d lineman to play sideline to sideline um they're not going to be too happy about that but the want to and the desire to make the play lets me know that one, they're playing confidence and they want this. And two, that he's feeling good. And I feel like that's kind of what the D-line were missing. Coming into this year, it was Clowney Ansa. That was the talk. Clowney Ansa. Clowney Ansa. Wait, wait till Reed gets better. And we haven't seen much out of Ansa until these last few weeks. So I think that bye week late in the season was crucial as well. Yeah. Um, a lot of guys get their bye weeks early. I think that bye week came just at the right time. Guys are rejuvenated. Some guys went to Cabo. Some guys went to Hawaii. You get to <laughs> recharge. You get with your family. And now it's time to go. I just love the intensity that this defense is 
is playing with right now. Well, you can hear the excitement in our voices talking about this team because there's so many things we could talk about. We didn't talk about the run game, uh, running backs. Yeah, I forgot I about mean, them. I, yeah, they're they're so. an afterthought, and they're playing at you know an elite level right yeah. now. Yeah, and like you said, Mike, uh, you know, you look at uh, the the guys catching passes and everything. If at the beginning of the year you would have said it was that group, you would have thought. I mean, Tyler Lockett didn't even have a catch. So well, I'll tell you what, we'll dive a little bit into the Rams. Uh, did they figure things out last week, or did they just? feast on a really bad defense it's paul moyer michael bumpus dave wyman and uh, we'll do that next on hawks live hawks live every thursday from seven to nine live at snoqualmie casino on 710 espn seattle welcome back to hawks live dave wyman paul moyer and michael bumpus we're out at the snoqualmie casino do a little bit of an opponent preview here it's uh, this is an interesting team the rams coming up and I, I know that you could say that look the Seahawks were six or eight inches or whatever it was that that field goal missed by uh, from losing that game to the Rams last time I'll say this I'm not sure where the Rams are but this is a much different Seahawk team than when they faced the Rams the first time around and but you know here's been my take guys I every time somebody tells you that uh, that that an offense or a defense is revolutionary and it's going to change the nfl and everything don't buy it because nfl defenses always catch up and one of the the biggest parts of what their offense was in my mind was that fly sweep yeah i said this a million times on my show when i was the d coordinator at uh, interlake in 2007 paul i uh, i had liberty high school and we worked on the fly sweep all week, Michael. I mean, it was like stay in your gap, stay home, everything. You know, that was part of what they were doing. And then, you know, they were running screens and they had the timing and everything. I feel like this timing has been disrupted. People have figured it out. And now all of a sudden, you know, I'm not so sure about Jared Goff. If he's a guy like Russell Wilson that can go out and just win a game for you, or is he because... You know, he's got a really good coach. Is he that good because of that? And they've got a really good scheme that fits him at that time. But when things break down, you know, I, I'm not seeing, you know, they're. And then the other thing is their run game. They're only averaging 94 yards a game. They're 25th in the NFL. Where do you guys see, Mike? I'll start with you. Where are the Rams? What kind of a team is this right now? They're at 7 and 5. Seven and five. I think they are slightly better than their record. I watched these guys on film. Todd Gurley doesn't seem like the same Todd Gurley anymore. That first step isn't as explosive. And what I what I'm seeing teams do is when you run against that fly sweep, it's all about setting that edge, right? And a lot of teams are giving them that sixty one box look, six down linemen, one back of there, and trying to control the edge and this past game, what I feel McVay did a great job of, he's letting his talent do the work for him. They threw like eight to ten screens last game. They're not asking Goff to go down the field. I believe Goff only had about nine passes past ten yards of the last game. When you ask Goff to sit back and count to three and, and make that deep throw, he doesn't throw an accurate ball. He doesn't throw the Russell Wilson ball where there's a guy in your hip um, and I'm going to put it in the window where only my receiver can get it. Now, they're talented. You look at the receiver, there's Woods, there's Cooks. There's, there's Cup. They got some guys on the outside. They can play. If, yet, if they can get these guys the ball, I think they become dangerous. And if the Seahawks allow them that space to run those screens, to run those hitches, so where those guys can get the balls in their hands and run, I think that's where McVay has grown a bit. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to try to design the most confusing, greatest play in the world. I'm going to start these guys in tight formation. I'm always going to motion a guy. And now I'm just going to take the little stuff and let these young legs work for me. So offensively, I think 
they need to re- respect it still. They're still dangerous because of the girlies, the, the cups, the cooks, um, and the woods. But I think that this defense is also playing at such a high level that no one they don't fear anybody. They, they see a woods, and they feel like they can line up and handle this guy. So as long as the Hawks tackle well, I think they'll be able to contain this guy and then put pressure on golf. We all know golf does not like pressure. What is he, 13 touchdowns, 11 picks, or something like that? Uh, 13, uh, and 13 and 12. 13 uh-huh. touchdowns, 12 interceptions. He's got a quarterback rating of 84, which in today's world is a loser. I mean, you just that, that doesn't you don't stick around in the, in the league very long with a QB rating of 84. In the old days, 84, you know, you're you're a starter, uh, but not today. You know, Dave, I, I always say I, I've met some great coaches in my life. I've never met a genius. There, there's no genius coaches. I mean, you either run it or you pass it. I've seen the wing tee. I've seen the the wishbone. I've seen the veer. I've seen the fly sweep. I've seen. The, the run and shoot. I've seen um, the pistol. spread. I've seen pistol. I've seen everything. What they did last year, it wasn't that he was a genius. So I will say he understood his, his personnel. And I think McVay is a fantastic coach. I think he's a great leader. I think he understands people. And I think he's going to be a great coach for a long time. He's not a genius. He didn't all of a sudden come into this league and say, hey, I'm running something no one's ever seen. And right. We've all seen it. But what they do and what they did exceptionally well the two years previous and then last year and then this year it's fallen off is they had the best offensive line in the league. And when you can protect Goff and run those deep, you, you call them sail routes, I call them flag routes, yeah. deep crossing routes, whatever you want to call them. But when you can go from one side of the field all the way over to the other side of the sideline, and you've got that much time to throw, there's not a defense in the league that can stop that. Now you can't protect as well. And you, the salary cap, they paid so many guys so much money. The four or five guys now is about 80% of their salary cap. That's insane. I mean, you can't now, you can't field the team anymore. So they still have five, six, seven, eight phenomenal players, but their role players aren't as good anymore. Now you have to rely on rookies. You know, um, is it is it rap from from University of Washington? You know, he had his first pick touchdown last yeah. week, but last week they played the thirty second defense in the league in Arizona, the thirty second, I believe, um, pass defense in the league. Goff had by far his best game. Yep. They did the things that they've done in the past the last two three years. I just don't know if that works in this game, and more importantly, their line is still. They've, you know, Aaron Donald's the best player in the league. There's no question. They're not built to stop the run. They're not built to play a physical football game. I think that's what we're going to bring to this game. Yeah, well, we'll see what uh, what happens with. Uh, we've talked a little bit about Joey Hunt, and I'm not sure he's 300 pounds, you know. But um, we'll see. I thought he did a great job last week. You know, he's moving some big guys. Dave, but... you have heard a check with me. Yeah. Where's Aaron Donald? Yeah. Check with me. We're going that way. Right. The other exactly. way away from him. Yeah, but it, you know. The other thing is the run game. So last year they go to the Super Bowl and lose, but they had the number three run game in the NFL. I think they're running for around around 140 per game. They're number 25 right now, and a big part of that, of course, is Todd Gurley. What are you guys seeing from him? Because, you know, everybody says he's lost a step. It's the knee and everything. I just feel like there's not as many huge holes opened up. There's not as much space and, you know, Teams have figured out that offense, but 
I don't see Todd Gurley out there limping around. No, he, he he's not limping. He doesn't look explosive, and that jet sweep isn't doing what it did for him this year that it did last year. That that jet sweep, you do that to open the defense up, to get everyone to expand, and now those gaps open up. So now with people figuring out the jet sweep, now he's got to play big boy football and run like a Chris Carson and, and, and break a tackle yeah. right off the line. And he's just not doing that. His game isn't built for that. So as long as you can compact the box and get contained with that jet sweep and force him to make a to 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 break a tackle um, at the line of scrimmage, I think you have a good chance because he doesn't really want to do that. Three years ago, they killed us here. Then yeah. last year, we lost twice in you know very con- good contested games. We closed the gap, and then we beat them the first game here. You know, which was one of the great games uh, again. Uh, to me, we've expanded that. Uh, it, it's this is a physical football game. We they they've got their number. That doesn't mean they're they can't beat us. That doesn't mean they're not dangerous. But they're not a better football team than we are now. Three years ago, they were light years ahead of us. Yeah. You know, like a year ago, they were better than us. Now, it, you know, that's crossed the line again. We're better than they are. I'll tell you what, later on. We'll talk about Clayton, and I have to have him remind me. I, I think they're without a first round pick for like three Five years. years. Five. Five. Five years. My goodness. 80% of their salary cap are to 10 players. Wow. And then, you know, they, they felt like they had a window here, and it was a short window, and it looks like it's closing now, so they're not exactly built for the future. Well, coming up next, speaking of uh, players that are built for the future, Cody Barton, and he's not got on the field a lot because eh, he's got some pretty good linebackers in front of him. But coming up next on Hawks Live, we'll talk to rookie linebacker Cody Barton. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back. It's Hawks Live here at the Snoqualmie Casino. Paul Moyer, Michael Bumpus, Dave Wyman, and we got on the phone Cody Barton. Cody, thanks for joining us. How you doing? Good. How are you guys? We're doing great, man. Uh, hey, uh, tell us, uh, as a rookie coming into town, did you have family in town for Thanksgiving, or what did you do for, uh, for Thanksgiving? Well, my, my mom had a family friend that lived up here, so I went to their cabin for a couple hours, and I went to K.J. Wright's house, actually, for the evening and had dinner nice. there. All right, so the veterans took care of you. Mm-hmm. Made me feel like yeah. I was at home. It was, it was nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just seems like. Uh, were you kind of surprised by that? Because you know, like uh, we talked to Ugo Amadi, and he said he couldn't believe that Bobby Wagner came up and talked to him. You know, when he first got there and introduced himself, and it just seems like uh, the veterans. You know, in my day, you used to get hazed, and I'm sitting next to Paul Moyer, who was a veteran when I came in, and he treated me terrible. Well, you deserved it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's not right. Yeah, so, middle linebacker. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Cody. I didn't mean. That. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I mean, it just seems like uh were you kind of surprised by the 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 way that this team kind of the veterans really take the young guys in yeah i mean going in i'd heard that you know the rookies get it pretty bad this and that but then i was actually surprised at how welcoming they were and how helpful you know on and off the field they were with with everything from day to day and so i mean it definitely makes your life easier it makes you feel more welcome that's for sure and just you know i'm grateful for that Cody, Brighton High School, Cottonwood Heights, Utah. My, my son went on a recruiting tip, trip to Utah, really, really liked it. But talk about that, just how special Utah, and, you know, are you surprised the success they have right now? Um, no, not at all. I mean, they're just, you know, under Whittingham, it's just, 
the things he preaches is toughness, you know, and just grit and stuff like that. Similar to the things at the Seahawks. And so just being a tough physical team, you know, every single week. And just, I mean, you know, now the offense is balling out too. You know, it just comes hand in hand. Utah's always been known for their defense. And now that the offense is scoring points, it just, it's finally starting to light up. I mean, you're only a year removed from that. And, you know, I, I hate listening to the ESPN SEC network, which is is one and the same. But talk about, are they legit? I mean, if they went up against, you know, Clemson or Ohio State, do they have the players to compete and still win that thing? Yeah, I believe so. I really, I, I think so. And, you know, especially on the defensive side, I'm a defensive guy, so I'm always rooting for the defense. And I think, I think Utah's defense is just as good as any defense. We're, we're three packed, 12, 10 guys. I'm, I'm a 10. I'm a 10. A- I'm Arizona a 10. State, Stanford, yeah. and Washington State. So we're, we're definitely pulling for Utah on this one. Hey, Cody. Um, I appreciate that. After training camp, you know, coaches were talking about just how smart you are, how you can play um, every linebacker position. If you were to start a game next week, where would you prefer to play, inside, outside? What do you like? I like inside better. Just because I like being off the ball and being able to, you know, dissect and read my keys and just shoot gaps and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, um, you know, being outside, you know, playing outside back at you has its pros and stuff like that, being able to hold the edge and come off the edge, um, defend the pass on the, on the perimeter and stuff. And so, I mean, I just like playing, to be honest. I just love playing football. I liked, you know, I played Mike and Will in a 3-4 and then also in a 4-3. And I always thought Will was, like, kind of carefree. Like, you know, the Mike has to make all the calls, everything, but you get to just run around and make plays on the backside. And is that is that the same uh, case in, in your defense? I mean, I think I think every position, any linebacker position, that's where you can run around and and be able to just make plays. I mean, obviously, at the mic position, you got to give the call. But then, once that ball snapped, I think all the backers have, you know, a great chance to fly around and, and make their plays. You know what I mean? So, Cody, the last three games, the defense has been playing lights out. And, and against three good offensive teams. And, you know, we're all trying to finger point, you know, what what is it? Is you're watching, you know, is it tighter secondary play? Is it better pass rush? What do you think it is? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you're not really calling different plays, but wh- why do you think such a drastic, you know, success the last three weeks? I think to me it's just everyone just realizing the importance of just doing your job and how it all fits together like a big puzzle piece. Just doing, doing your 111th and how it all just fits together, you know, and just, um, you know, whether it's just standing, being true to your gap and not doing – not making stuff up and trying to do the extra to go make a crazy play. Just doing your job, and it just it just looks really good on film. Hey, Cody. Um, during camp, you and Burke Irvin were roommates, and obviously he went to UW. You're a Ute. Um, is there any smack talking going on now? I mean, <laughs> you know, the Utes are balling. The UW is down. How are you guys handling that situation? Oh, we hate each other. Um, that's kid. <laughs> no, ben, I'm a, Ben's my good buddy. Um. I mean, we at first we were talking smack like the training camp and this and that, and as the season went on, of course, and then obviously when Utah played Washington, we were talking smack, and and so, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of settled down now just because, you know, Washington hasn't been doing as good this year as Utah, but at the same time, he'll always be like, well, you never beat me, so <laughs> he always holds that against me. 
Cody, who else were you recruited by? I mean, you're a Utah kid who grew up there, went to high school. I'm sure it's a place you wanted to go, but where, where else were you recruited? I briefly talked to Washington State at one point. I believe Colorado came and talked to me one time. Uh, Weber State one time. But besides that, just like I think Utah's my only official scholarship offer I ever got. And so, but then again, that was my dream school. My parents played there. My brother was playing there. Uh, My uncles played there. And so that was just, that was my dream school. So once they offered me going into my senior season, I committed. And so any, any school that wanted to come and recruit me after that, I just, I would just let it know, Hey, I'm, I'm going to Utah. Yeah, you, you pretty much had no choice there with your parents yeah. going yeah, there and brother and everything. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, Cody, it's no, funny my, we had my sister almost broke. Go ahead. go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I'm saying my sister almost broke the streak. She was actually committed to USC for volleyball for a little bit, and then family ties got to her in the end. The the guilt or something of trying to flip, and so she came back to Utah. <laughs> hey, uh, we were talking to Ben Burkirvin, uh the other day, and, you know, I, I, I was asking him, uh, you know, about how much there's probably a, a point where you don't want to bother Bobby and KJ and Michael. But, I mean, as a rookie and you seem like a pretty curious guy, I see you, you're a great communicator. You talk like you're obviously trying to soak up as much as you can. And Ben uh, said, yeah, we ask him we ask them lots of questions, but we try not to be too annoying <laughs> but uh, tell us about how much those guys have helped you as far as stuff on the field and what are some of the things that you've learned from kj michael and uh, and bobby yeah i mean all three of those guys it helps out a ton and i know what you mean though like uh ben's right about you know we try to ask him as many questions as possible without bothering him you know what i mean because if someone's asking you questions every minute of every day i mean i'd get old so yeah. um you know, we, we try to be careful with it, but at the same time, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get in as much as I can and just all three of those guys, have t- you know, just have taught me just little, little secrets here and there, just little styles of how, you know, they all three different uh, playing styles and how, what works for them, what doesn't work for them. And so I'm just, I just try to nitpick every little thing they do and just see what works for me and what doesn't, you know what I mean? And just find my own yeah. style. Hey, Cody, in college, you typically play about 10 to 12 games. So you're entering your 12th week in the NFL, um, does it seem like uh, it's dragging on, that it's long? Um, how's that adjustment going for you? No, I think it's, it's actually going by really fast. I've heard, you know, some of the guys, the older guys were telling me that, you know, there's this thing called the rookie wall or whatever it's called, and some guys, you know, get burnt out, this and that. But, you know, for me, I feel great. I feel like the season's just flying by. We're already, we already have four more games left. It's flying by. What yeah, you- I always felt like you know it's great because you just play football. You don't have to do any homework. Oh, the only thing is you got to pay bills now. That's that's different than college. But homework, you're getting True. paid to play pay football. Homework, I don't remember homework. I went, to Arizona, you State, went to Arizona State. So State. I, I had yeah, lots didn't of have girlfriends. There. <laughs> no, I had a lot of girlfriends that did my homework. Um, Cody, what do you like to do on your day off, especially Monday night? So you go into Tuesday, you finally get something to relax. What what, what keeps you busy on your day off night? Back when it was warm on my day offs, I would, you know, well, my day offs, you know, we go in in the mornings, I do a mini workout, then we'll do some little bit of film, just like just the players. And then we're typically done by like noon or one. So we have the rest of the day, just do whatever we want. Um, when it was, and when it was warm, I would go, uh, I'd go up towards like Snoqualmie somewhere over there, there's some big river down there. And I'd just go try to find fishing holes for a few hours and then come back and watch film. But 
now that it's getting colder, I just, you know, I might lay around, watch TV, just watch a lot of film, to be honest. Hey, it sounds like my life. Yes. Yeah, you linebacker good. stick together, yeah. don't you, Dave? Hey, Cody, uh, thanks so much <laughs> for taking the time, brother. I appreciate you coming on with us, and uh, keep doing what you're doing, and, and have a great uh, rest of the season. Will do. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, yeah. Cody. There he goes, Cody Barton. Go Utes. Rookie sensation. I'm really looking forward to, to Friday night. I am, too. Yeah, and I think Utah. I, I really think they're, they're, they're the they're best physical. team. And, yeah. I, and I do think they can compete. It'll be a battle, but yeah. uh, I think they got that, that moxie. You know, Who's that, home? Yep. Well, it's in Santa Clara. It's in oh, Santa Clara. Yeah, 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 You've so. you never been to the oh, – No, nah, there was no championship. No, there was man. no championship for me either. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's not – throw shots at each other right before the break we got to go to break oh yeah you all right when we come back you can give them a hard time all right coming up next we got the professor john clayton that's next on hawk live hawks live every thursday from seven to nine live at snoqualmie casino on 710 espn seattle Hey, welcome to the Snoqualmie Casino. What a great place it is out here. It's awesome. Said this all the time after the last exit in Issaquah. It's about 10 minutes out here. Beautiful, great food, awesome atmosphere. We've got thousands of fans here. They're Let's hear it, folks. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, the microphones. It's Paul Moyer, Michael Bumpus, Dave Wyman. And now we've got the professor, John Clayton. John, how you doing? I'm doing great now that you can boogie on down. Boogie on down? Boogie what do you mean by that? That was the last down. song. Yeah. I, oh, is that, that right? That John, I'm Look with you. you I was listening. You guys are so hip. Yes. Yeah, it's like a I'm a into song. funk, so it's like, I'm sorry. You are a funk guy. What's your, what's Makes what's my your... funks a P-funks because I want to get funked up. <laughs> Whoa, Clayton, you were making me really nervous there for a second no, when you, you were, were saying you're, you're, you're John, was... you should have come right, up here. Right. They've got a great steak place here. They've got a great wine selection. If you were drinking a wine, what, what's your favorite one? It, it's weird because I had to change in the last couple of years because I'm a big Cabernet guy, particularly a California Cabernet. And for whatever reason, for lighter reasons, and I guess maybe to you know kind of keep my weight down, I, I've been drinking more Cabernet. Why? I have no idea. Yeah, John, you really have a weight problem. Come on. Yeah, I, Come I mean, on. my 165 pounds is really causing a big issue. Well, and now you're going up and down the sidelines and uh, avoiding, uh, like, Xavier Rhodes throwing his helmet on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. You saw uh, Lamar Jackson throwing his wristband from the, the sidelines. What did you see from what, – what stood out to you, John? We answered this question. Uh, that win over Minnesota – you know, and even though it turned out to be 37-30, I just thought that there was uh, it was much more of a dominant win than that score indicated. But uh, what was the thing that stood out to you in that game? It just stood out that, uh, you know, the, the, the Vikings aren't – and again, when we saw them in the preseason and we were there in Minnesota, you know, I thought Minnesota had the better team because I didn't know where the pass rush of Seattle was going to be. And what's evolved is now Seattle getting a better pass rush. They've become the better team, getting Quandre Diggs at the safety position. That's made them a better team. Certainly getting Jadavion Clowney's made them a better team. And so, you know, it's like the, the, they're all both playoff teams, and they're both good teams. I mean, each of those teams are among the best five teams in football. But I think Seattle has come out better. But Minnesota's still good. Don't count them out for the division because, again, they can still compete against Green Bay, maybe be able to get Green Bay. But they were good. But I'll tell you, the one guy that was absolutely and horrible is Xavier Rhodes. And, you know, it was funny because we were remarking about it, and he's had a bad season. He's 29 years old. He's a two-time Pro Bowler. He's making a 
big amount of money. He won't be back with the team next year. I can guarantee that because he's in a couple years of his contract and he's going to be let go. But uh, I'm just amazed how bad he was. It got to the point where one of the guys over in the sideline says, you watch, if they put Rhodes back in the game, he's going to get, they're going to throw on him and beat him. Well, fortunately for, I guess, maybe it was because of the incident with the throwing of the helmet, you know, they didn't put him back in the game for one series. And then they came back, and I think they, you know, DK Metcalf caught a short pass on him. They didn't get a first down. But, I mean, Rhodes has been terrible. And honestly, what it came down to is that his speed is gone, and he didn't want to produce. He didn't seem to want to care. Hmm. Yeah, it was, you know, because there are some games where I, you know, I thought he was tight in coverage on the short routes, but they got beat, what, for 19 touchdowns going into that mm-hmm. game. Here's what we do know, John. The, the wild card team is not coming out from the NFC East. I, I mean, this no. is shocking. <laughs> Safe to say. I, I'm shocked again. I, you know, you think that, you know, the Cowboys would rally, get a little vote of confidence for Garrett from Jones. But, you know, how do you think this thing's playing? I, I mean, Jones has already said he's not going to fire Garrett, you know, in the, in the season. But, you know, this game here, you shocked at how bad they're getting beat? Well, you know, 100% because they come out. They get the good, like they did in the uh, Thursday and uh, the Thanksgiving game, got the opening drive, and you figure, okay, they're back to being the Cowboys. Remember, they got 15 Pro Bowl caliber team, or 15 guys who have been to the Pro Bowl on their roster. Not saying that there are 15 Pro Bowl caliber teams currently on the roster, but they come out with all this talent. They get the opening touchdown drive like they did in the Thanksgiving game, and now they were down 24 to 17. You know, now they're down 24 14, but they just look awful. I mean, it took them until this game over 226 plays to get a turnover with all the talent that they have on defense I mean this is one of the most underachieving teams in football and I'm stunned because you got Dak Prescott with the number one offense you know they kind of went against the grain not running the ball as much with Ezekiel Elliott making more of a passing team which is probably a mistake but I am just absolutely stunned and remember this now, the NFC East, is the worst division since 2008, where you saw the Seahawks, you saw the uh, NFC West. You know They were a 341 team in out-of-division games. This team entering tonight, the NFC East, was 333, and they're losing right now in this game. Hey, John, obviously we're going to watch the Rams versus Seahawks when they go down to L.A., but the next big game most Hawks fans will be looking at is the Niners versus the Saints. Um, who should the 12s be rooting for in that game? Absolutely, it's got to be New Orleans. I don't care about the number one seed. Make sure you get into the number one or number two seed, and you do that by winning the division. If you wrote for San Francisco, you leave yourself no room for error. And if you do that, you're hurting yourself. Sure, you can lose this game, still be able to win in the last game of the season against San Francisco, but what if you lose to the Rams? What if you lose in an upset to one of the other two teams coming up? I mean, it would be horrible. And so you, you take care of business and the most important thing. And Michael Bumpus, you know, as a coach, what are you going to preach? Win the division. Worry about the rest later. And sure, New Orleans may get the number one seed. And maybe you have to travel to New Orleans to try to get to the Super Bowl. But make sure you can get some kind of a bye week. And by winning against the Rams, winning against, you know, whatever it's going to be, you know, make sure that San Francisco doesn't win this division. And with New Orleans, it's not guaranteed they're not going to win the division. But if New Orleans wins this game, it hurts the chances of the 49ers winning the division. Yeah, I mean, I could see it playing out. We get the two seed and, you know, 
San Francisco has to go to New Orleans, you know, in the second mm-hmm. round. You know, we, we would yeah. host potentially Green Bay, and, you know, I, I, I see it playing out. We host San Francisco again uh, if we were the number two seed. So I, I agree, John. You, you've got to take care of your division. We're 10-2. We're and two. It's only happened three times, 1984, 2013, I believe, and, and this year. How many pro bowlers, though, are we going to have? Normally a 10-2 and two team – you're, you're looking yeah. at six, seven, eight guys. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, one, two. How, how many guys no, you it's think it's make building the up? Bowl? Because again, I think you can see Jadevian Clowney should be a Pro Bowl guy. Uh, Bobby Wagner should be a Pro Bowl guy. I think you can see the Chris Carson, Russell Wilson, Pro Bowl guys. And it was interesting because you know I track all the voting on the fans, and for the first time, an offensive lineman uh, emerged in the top ten for voting uh, in in the fans this week. And you know who it is? Jermaine Effetti. Joey Hunt. No. Stop it. Unbelievable. In the top Stop. 10, Joey no Hunt, who's only started three games, came out as number 10. And it's like, how about that? And oh, so This is, this is wow. fan voting, right? Fan voting. That's correct. Okay. How, well. I mean, everybody's jumping on the bandwagon. And, again, you know how it's it goes because you know, you've got uh, you know, like San Francisco. It, it's funny because it's almost 2-1 to one with the NFC leading the AFC as far as the voting for the fan vote in the top 10. I mean, it's like a, it's a ridiculous number. It's like 146 to, what is it, 146 to 1, uh, uh, it's like 156 to 134, something like that. It's ridiculous for the 190 votes. But it's amazing to think that, uh, you know, you, you can see that, uh, you know, Seattle's now gaining more momentum and the NFC teams are gaining more momentum because, you know, they're all eight, nine, ten win teams and they're, they're just like dominating the voting. And so Seattle's now up to 12 as far as the voting in the uh, all-star game by the fans. But, uh, you know, you can you can see that, you know, Wagner's going to make it without question. Russell Wilson's going to make it without question. Chris Carson's going to make it without resting because he's more 19 yards away, 11 yards away from a thousand yard season. And, and, you know, Tyler Lockett's going to be in the mix, but he had to be maybe more of a uh, alternate than anything else. But, you know, the two guys that aren't going to get in there are playing now at a Pro Bowl alternate level like they did last year. And that's Quandre Diggs and Bradley McDougal. Speaking of Pro Bowl, um, I looked up the stats and KJ is like number six or eight in tackles um, in the NFL. What are the chances that he gets in? He started his own campaign to try to get guys to he vote for him. He definitely What do you think about KJ? It's going to be tough because what happens now is that you got KJ Wright. It's kind of like Thomas Davis who had to wait to his like 31, 32 years old to get into his first Pro Bowl. And with KJ's playing great, and he is playing at a Pro Bowl level. But now you're going against the three, four outside linebackers, and those are the guys that tend to get in. And you, you look over at Green Bay. I mean, you got uh, the two – Smiths that they signed and and uh, both in you know double digits as far as where they are as sacks and so that's going to make it tough because you know outside linebackers have a tougher time I mean you know the top two whatever year it's going to be is Luke Keekley and Bobby uh, Wagner Bobby Wagner I think has a little bit of a lead over Luke as far as the fan vote and ultimately it'll probably be Bobby Wagner but uh, you know it's uh, the outside linebacker spot is tough mainly because you're going against the pass rushing outside linebackers. All right, Professor. Well, we appreciate it. You enjoy your uh, your next Cabernet. Okay, boogie on down. Boogie <laughs> on down. We'll, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, John. All right, John. John. There he goes, the Professor John Clayton. Coming up next, uh, we were talking about awards and things like that. How about Coach of the Year, GM of the Year? 
you know, we're going down the closing stretch here with the Rams on Sunday, so we thought it would be good to take a look back at all the players and the plays that stood out over the past four games. We'll talk about that next on Hawks Live. Hawks, Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino. Now, here's your host, Dave Wyman. Hey, it's Dave Wyman here at the Snoqualmie Casino. We're here every Thursday night, actually uh, only two more Thursday nights. Well, tonight being one of them, one more. It's two. Okay, we're here. It's Thursday night on 710 ESPN. Boy, you guys are missing some great concussion stories right now. <laughs> there, there's, there's nothing... Nothing better than a good old-fashioned concussion story. Yeah, you know what? They're, they're not as – back in the day, we called them, you know, you got your bell rung. Yeah. And, you know, and it was a, a rite of passage, right? It was – you were a man if you were, got a concussion. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it's about. Today, you know, it's a little more serious. And Dave was there my, one of my last – actually, it was really my last game I ever played. And I'm, I'm knocked out, man. I mean, I'm I'm snoring. Paul Dave, was snoring. Dave, Dave told me I was snoring. <laughs> I think I'm the only one that reported that. Uh, the trainers came, but I was, like, dropping into my hook zone, and Paul made a hit, and I was, like, the first guy on the scene. I'm like, how does that happen, man? Like, from the time that you were in the air to hitting the ground, you're like, <laughs> like wow. I hit a guy that's... named Ben Manoa. We were playing Cleveland, I can't, and I hit him really Wait, good. Wait, is that the big fullback? Yes. Oh, his name was Tim. Tim Manoa? Yeah. That's, okay. That's Thank part you. of the concussion Tim Manoa. Right there. Well, I, I get it. <laughs> yeah. You know, Steve. He I was mean, a big dude. Steve, Steve Wyman over there. Um, <laughs> and, and I, because I watched it afterwards, and I said, wow, okay, it was a good hit. But I caught him in the knee, and I really got on hit the side on of the, your si- head. the temple. It's a killer. And, you know, uh, uh, the, the funny part, this was about the only funny part, because I couldn't remember my daughter being born. And I remember Kurt Warner, he was my good buddy, he was a running back. He goes, what? What else don't you remember? And I'm like, I don't know. He goes, do you know you're married? I go, what? Yeah. I didn't even know I was married. But I, I remember Jimmy Weitzel, our trainer at the time, who's uh, you know recently passed. God, God bless him. And I, all of a sudden I wake up and I see Jimmy. I go, Jimmy, I, I had the weirdest dream. I <laughs> dreamt that I was knocked out in the game. And he starts laughing. And you know, then you go back and you watch the the TV part of it, and I'm walking to their sideline, and yeah, it was bad. Not, yeah, not a good one. Some people find that disturbing. We find it humorous. Yes, we do. Yeah. That's what so, we do. Uh, all right. Uh, what do you guys think about? We were talking about Pro Bowlers and, and things like that. But what about for the Seahawks? I think we all would agree that as far as the Seahawks at the three quarters pole here, that Russell Wilson's the MVP. And and uh, he's in the race for it. If it wasn't for, you know, Lamar Jackson, certainly NFL, certainly he's the the Seahawk MVP offensively. But you you guys still think he has a chance? I mean, because you know he just pulls out game after game after game. He never does it in super dazzling ways, but like he does in. You know, little chunks, like every once in a while you see him make this amazing throw. Like the last time they played the Rams, the on-the-run throw to Tyler Lockett, nobody makes that throw but Russell. But do you think he seriously has a chance to be MVP this year? I think for him to stay in the race, Lamar would have to, you know what, in the bed a game, and Russell would need a four-touchdown, zero-pick game again. At this point, that Monday night football game where Lamar – beat the you-know-what out of who they play on Monday night. Um, uh, well, it was the Rams. The Rams, yeah. yeah. Uh, just just destroyed them, did his thing, and Russell had his worst game of the season. That's where Lamar got the separation. Yeah. So at this point, like, 
Russell can keep pacing and keep that like two steps behind him, but Lamar has to do something to kind of uh, he just needs to play a bad game, maybe lose a couple games. That's the only way I see Russell realistically uh, getting back in this thing. But he's uh, the clear number two at this point. You know, I hate to say it because I love Russell. I've made a case for him. You know, rookie of the year, and and you know had a, a battle with John Clayton that you know they had Andrew Luck, and I, I, just, I it doesn't even make sense that you would pick Andrew Luck. I mean, the numbers don't. That don't warrant it, and, and there were some reasons why. And, and there's been, you know, a couple of years ago when he led the league, two years ago when he led the league in in, inter, or, uh, in touchdowns. I, I thought he had a chance there, but you know, they didn't have a great record. If Russell, if they finish 14 and two, and he leads the league in touchdowns, and it, it's going to have to fall down. We got four games left. There's no question, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are going to have to take a step back. But the reason why I started off like I hate to even say this. Lamar Jackson is so special, you guys. Yeah. I mean, I, I've never seen anything like him. You know, he not he, he can throw it, he can run it, and and he's so successful, he's so confident. Um, now we'll see what happens the next four games. I mean, that's that's the first twelve. You never know the next four. The Seahawks have the Rams. We've got Carolina. We got we we end up in San Francisco. That's going to be a huge game. It can. I also could not care less about the MVP. Other than if it's Russell Wilson, I think he deserves his due as one of the great quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. Yeah, and it's amazing. Every week we look at a different stat, and Rabel and I do this in Keys to the Game now, where you can get a Russell stat, you know, whether it's 32 um, overtime and fourth quarter comeback wins, um, you know, 3,000 yards and 20-plus TDs in their first eight seasons. He's up there with Peyton Manning. I mean, it's just... It's ridiculous the company he keeps in the in the records that he has. So yeah, MVP fine if he never gets it. You know, and the same yeah, thing I with Pete care. Carroll and John Schneider. Exactly, like, Schneider should be MVP or uh, you know GM of the year this year, Absolutely. considering what he's done the last couple of years. Trading away. What about getting Clowney? You know, losing Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman, all that. Same thing with Pete. But if we don't get those, but we're going to the playoffs and we're possibly winning another Super Bowl, who cares? An MVP winner has not won a Super Bowl in over 20 years. So give it to Lamar Jackson. I'll I'll take this. But here's what I do know. Russell's going to be a Hall of Famer. Lamar Jackson, time will tell. Right now, he's... He's a really special player. He sure is fun to watch. I, I mean, it's, you know, he does so many good things. And, and that's why rarely do I defend, you know, if this was Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees or, or even Tom Brady, I'd say they can't do what Russell Wilson can do. Lamar Jackson can do things that Russell can't do. And that's one of the first times I've seen that. And he is a very special player. I'm interested if, if Lamar Jackson can develop a deep ball like Russell Wilson. Could you imagine good point. Yeah. Uh, the damage? that He's already doing damage in the league, but if he can develop, I'm going to sit back here, I'm going to toss his ball 25, 30 yards in the air and drop a dime. Um, that's his next step, and I think that's what he's going to have to do to save his career because right now he's just young, man. Young, yes. you can take these hits, you can move. Um, Father time's undefeated, so eventually he's going to slow down. If he can develop that into his game, he may be one of the greatest quarterbacks. He can do of all whatever time. he wants. And here, here's the other reason why Lamar is in the MVP race. It's not what he's done. They're they're ten and two. They're they're the best team right now in, in football. They've beaten New England. They've beaten the Seahawks. They've crushed the Rams. They beat San Francisco. You're the best team in the NFL, and your quarterback's having a special year. Again, 
All you out there who love Russell, I, I'm the biggest Russell fan in the world. Lamar Jackson right now deserves it over Russell. All right, defensive MVP for the Seahawks. Just on this team, who do you think's had so far the biggest impact on this team defensively? You know, and it's funny, Quandre Diggs, you might say that, but he's only been here for what? He's played in three games now? Three, well, four games? He still so. had the big, in my opinion, he still had the biggest impact, though. I think the addition of him changed the identity of this team. Like the last three weeks, They've been playing their best ball, and that's when Quandre's been making plays. Now, you can't give him the MVP because he's been there for three games, but I think he has made uh, the biggest impact as far as um, game by game. He's three for three. Um, We've waited on Jadavian a little bit. We've waited on Anza. Uh, Bobby's been super consistent. Um, I would vote for Quandre just because I I think he's made the biggest impact, but – Overall, I think you got to go with Clowney. I got to, yeah, I got to go with Clowney too. Yeah. I, he's just been. I'm gonna throw, throw another one out there. He has, so go three, ahead. he has three sacks right now, right? Yeah. So you know, if you'd have said, "Hey, you're going to be ten and two, and then that week he, this guy has three sacks, is he worth it?" You'd probably say no. But you know, he's got the forced fumbles. He's got the two touchdowns. He's got the countless holding penalties against him. How disruptive he is in the run game. And, you know, I just I, I love hearing this week that he wants to play. He's playing through some pain right now. And uh, you know, he wants to play for his teammates. So he brings that element, too. So, yeah, I got, I got to definitely give it to, to J- Jadavian Clowney. Who, who else are you thinking about? Well, I think Shaq Griffin. I mean, he has played. Uh, I, to me, there's three guys that have been the most consistent. It's been Shaq Griffin, it's been McDougald, and it's been Clowney. And you're right. Clowney, his stats mean nothing. What he does in the run game is ridiculous. He's the best run defensive end I've seen in the NFL right now. His motor is off the charts. What he does to free up other guys, I'm going to give it to Clowney because he's so disruptive, but Shaq Griffin, to me, has been the most consistent player on the defense this year. That's funny. I'd take the other corner if I was going to pick a corner. I said most most consistent. Yeah, I I like Trey. I I love the way he plays. One thing he needs to do, though, is trust himself. Because there's times where he hooks a guy He's and gets a penalty there, where he doesn't. But, yeah, He's I agree. He is, and he realizes that, and he talks about it. But I love our corners right so now. So you don't like Shaq Griffin. Okay, go ahead and break. I love Shaq. Oh, okay. He might be the nicest guy on the team, and he's also <laughs> maybe the best, you know, as far as he gave himself a D-plus as far as his grade last year and the way he's come back and played uh, this season. It's, it's been fantastic to watch. Well, coming up next, we're going to go inside the film room, break down some of the biggest plays from the Seahawks' wins win over the Vikings. That's here next at the Snoqualmie Casino on Hawks Live. Hawks Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to the Snoqualmie Casino. Paul Moyer, Michael Bumpus, Dave Wyman. We're going to go inside the film room right now. A lot of really cool plays to go through. One of the guys I mentioned earlier the 2018 draft and how fond I am of that draft. I just think it's it's going to be one of those that rebuilds this team in a time when they really needed it. And one of those guys that was drafted that year was a pretty young guy, Rasheem Green. I don't even think he was 21 when he got drafted uh, out of USC, but he came up big the other night. It was first and 10 at the Minnesota 22, and he delivered. Now motion across the formation is Johnson. The turn and hand to Dalvin Cook. He fumbles the football. The Seahawks come up with it. McDougal recovers at the 27-yard line. Dalvin Cook put it on the ground. Bradley McDougal. 
McDougal rolled over and said, look what I found. And the Seahawks in great position, and there are two Vikings down on the field. But the Seahawks defense racing off the field with the football. It was Rasheem Green getting his arm in there and knocking that ball loose. And McDougal rolled up on it. Seahawks in position to take a lead here. A couple of things about this play. Number one, um, Bradley McDougal comes running up to the pile, and it's like, I remember this one. Like, there's the football, and nobody knows it's there except for the running back, and he's getting, you know, pulled into a pile, and you're just like, oh, it's like finding a pot of gold. The football's there, and so Bradley McDougal's scooping it up. But the other thing, the scene after this, like, not only do they fumble, Dalvin Cook's laying on the field. Um, Diggs. Yeah, Stephon Diggs is laying on the field, and, you know, that had to have been pretty disheartening for the Vikings. Yeah, what I like, <clears throat> I got to give uh, credit to Norton here. It, it seems like he saw formation, he saw personnel, and it looked like he put his D-line on a slant, which allowed Green to get in that position right there and make that play. And you're right. You do your job. You get in the right place at the right times. Good things happen, and McDougal did exactly what he was supposed to do. And that was just a clean. How often can you scoop up a football that cleanly, though? The way that thing is shaped, it bounces around. It doesn't happen like that, but he picks it up nice and clean. Big ups Ken Norton, big ups Green, and big ups McDougal for doing what he's supposed to do. Yeah, not much to add. You know, the McDougal part is this is where fundamentals come into play. The way he scraped down the line and kept it so tight, you know, it allowed him to get that fumble. And and I'm going to throw this one out there because I heard people say, well, Cook got hurt. That's why you got, that's why you won. Well, first of all, it's in the second half. We kept him to 3.1 yards per carry. His backup actually had a higher yards per carry. So I don't want to hear any of that crud. You know, we, we <laughs> shut him down. He And he's a fantastic running back. But there was no reason to think he was all of a sudden going to go from 3.1 yards per carry to six. And that was his last play of the game. And, you know, it came off a, a, a great play. All right. The, the next play, Russell Wilson finds a wide open David Moore for a 60-yard touchdown. The Seahawks blew a coverage uh, also, and this is what happens in the NFL every once in a while. And, uh, you know, I try not to point fingers whenever the Seahawks, um, you know, blow a coverage. But, you know, it's the Vikings. And uh, as soon as we hear this clip, we'll point fingers. Penny in the backfield. Medcalf far side wide. Russell's got time. He's got David Moore wide open. Moore makes the catch. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Seahawks. From 60 yards, Russ looked up. Saw David Moore running right past Savior Rhodes and said, here you go. Serves it up on a platter, and the Seahawks are on top 26-17, to and they're doing the hula in the end zone, the Seahawks receivers. Wow, what a big play for Seattle. What's a hula, Dave? That was not the hula, Rabel. Anybody <laughs> that swings their hips or whatever, Rabel, That's thinks a it's a hula. Hoop. Yeah, hula hoop. So it's called Maybe the hula, hula dance? Hula dance. Hula, it's like a Hawaiian. Yeah, right, Hawaiian okay. dance. I don't know. But it, right. they were doing something from New Edition, I New believe. Edition. Yeah, yeah, so I wasn't entirely familiar with it, but Do I knew you, it wasn't by the, way, the hula. Bump, you know, because mostly wide receivers for the Seahawks. I mean, it's kind of their you know, stick. Would you have liked that back in the day? Uh, I would participate. Would you sure. be you would have been part of it? it? I, 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 w- I think I, I mean, I'm, I was kind of low key. I mean, they would have to convince me a little They'd bit. They'd have to drag you, you out do there. Do you have rhythm like that? Because here's the one oh, yeah, thing. I got rhythm. Uh, I'm just, oh, yeah. Look, I mean, not, not to offend you or anything. <laughs> I, yeah, you have to ask. What's, well, you I, see I, it. I, I, look, I 
just wanted to hear it. I, <laughs> I already know he does. He's got charisma. But they practice it. Oh, and, yeah. And the three of them, I, you know, I think it was uh, Moore, it was uh, Lockett, and... Uh, JB, uh, I believe. Was it? Yeah, I think JB, so. okay. But it builds uh, camaraderie. They, got, they have... It's one of them, if they were on stage, I would stop to watch them. Because I think they're that good. They put in the so work. That's pretty cool. Well, when people talk about it, it's kind of corny as far as the, uh, the you know, practicing and everything. But, yeah, it just builds a little uh, camaraderie yeah, between the guys. It. All right, who blew it on that one, Moyer? Well, Old I DB mean, coach. it's, it's got to be Rhodes uh, on this one. However, I mean, if you go back and look at this play, Russell Wilson immediately sees a free safety jump hard over the top to the their left, Russell's right. And he comes backside and says, I got a one-on-one situation here with David Moore. But I will say this. He could have picked his poison. Tyler Lockett runs just a little stutter. Go. He could have hit him for a touchdown, too. So he could have hit one of two guys there. David Moore, obviously, because of the blown coverage, Rhodes thinking, I don't know what he's thinking. He must have thought the safety was coming to his side. That's what I don't understand. Like, why would he think the safety's coming to his side? They got two receivers to the right. It's a one-high look. So that means it's a deep zone or it's a man. Essentially, it becomes a man defense on that end. Like, so there must have been some kind of miscommunication or something going on. The only reason why I know it's Rhodes, sorry, Dave, the only reason why I know it's Rhodes is because the other corner let his receiver get outside and Rhodes was sitting inside. So I'm like, okay, I'm not letting a guy get outside and play that type of technique the other side of the corner. But, it again, it doesn't matter. Honestly, if he had played it right, Tyler Lockett's going to have a touchdown. All right, with the game on the line, Akeem King makes a huge play on fourth and three to seal the deal for Seattle. From the shotgun, Rudolph is slotted on the left side. Cousins takes the snap. He's looking that way. He throws. Ball's incomplete. Ball incomplete. Intended for Herb Smith Jr. at the 45-yard line. And Akeem King, the nickelback, who they put on tight ends because of his size and his coverage skills, they all paid off on that fourth down. The ball goes over to the Seahawks with 2.27 left. Now, Minnesota has three timeouts left. And you know Mike Zimmer's going to use every one, maybe even before the two-minute warning. We talked to Akeem King today, and he was out there in that nickel package. And he said he likes it. You know, he likes to drop into zone, play some man, do different things. He kind of faked a blitz, and he also mentioned blitzing. But he fakes the blitz and then buzzes basically out to the flat. And he said, you know, we were talking about the window dressing, which means, you know, before the play starts, sometimes you, you, you fake a blitz, but you don't ever want to do that, that it's going to take away from you your ability to cover. And he did it just right and, uh, and made a big play that sealed the deal on this uh, game. Yeah, I, I like what he did. His body language before the play, um, if you look, at, you look at the bottom of the, of, of the, um, of the play with Keem and then up top, the other guy in the slot, uh, they're both giving, him, giving Cousins the same look. So now he's kind of decipher who's coming, who's not, who's coming, who's not. And what I think Akeem, Akeem does best, and, and Paul, you probably know better than I do, is he gets hands yeah. on Rudolph immediately. If you let a receiver free release, you don't pressure him, you don't make him adjust, um, we'll manipulate you. But what he does, he kind of manipulates Kyle Rudolph there, gets his hands on him, and then makes a good play on the ball. Well, if you go look at every other guy in the route, there's nobody open, you guys. Now, I, I, the reason why I kind of giggled is, why are you faking a blitz? <laughs> if you're a, there's, who's going to pick that guy up? There's no one there. And, and that's fine. And actually, the way he came back to it and the way he played it, the, the strength of that is King's a big guy, and he got his hands on him. And 
he took one step and he immediately, you know, drove to the out. So great play. And that's what we're seeing more and more, Dave, is we're seeing all the DBs. You go look at every guy in the route. Every one of those would have had to been a perfect contested throw. And so we're forcing quarterbacks to say, you have to be so good to beat us. And in this case, they weren't good enough to beat us. All right, just three plays there. We probably could have gone through ten different plays in that game. Seahawks coming up with a huge win against the Vikings. Well, coming up next, Paul Gallant from the morning show with Danny and Danny and Gallant. Uh, he's going to play NBA 2K 2020 with George Fanton. They'll have a little bit of, ch- of a chat. That's next right here on Hawks Live. It is Hawks Live Gaming. I am Paul Gallant, and with me is a man who played 42 snaps Monday night against the Minnesota Vikings and was just mauling people. It's George Fant. George, what's up, bud? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. You ready to probably destroy me in NBA probably 2K? Me, man. You're, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, give me. Is this, is this trying to lull me into a false sense of security? Because <laughs> nah, it's almost bro. working. Please be a good team. The Orlando Magic. And you got the Rockets. Get out. We were just talking about Let's this go. coming in. He's just gonna bomb me with threes. Okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, so basketball was that—that's your first passion? Yes. Well, yes, man. It well, is. I, mean, I still love it. You know, so I started to watch it and play. So, when did you start playing? I started playing basketball, uh, like seventh grade. Seriously, seventh grade, something like that. What was your playing style? Uh, right, seventh grade, man. I was like, it was hilarious. I was like chubby. Paint guy, bro, like couldn't do anything. Uh-huh. Wasn't really skilled, but I was like six foot, something like that. Okay, I was kind of tall in seventh grade. I was a little taller than six foot, probably. When did when did you grow? I hit my growth spurt uh, going into my freshman year. Like my eighth grade, after eighth grade, I went. I was like, I went from like six one to like six four, six five, or something like that. So I was like six five as a freshman. There you go. Yeah. Well, I love how you're like talking about that. You know, I was only six feet tall going into. <laughs> I, I was four foot eleven. Six foot five in basketball is like little. Yeah, but you—I mean, you still—you got yeah. so you got to Western Kentucky and you're right. and you're playing basketball and you're from Kentucky. What, what a ridiculous state in terms of college basketball. In, in basketball in general, I mean, it's just like uh, I tell people all the time, like there's not a lot of states that have one state championship. Like, yeah, only one state championship. There's no That's classes. That's it. It's just like, oh wow, one state, Sweet Sixteen. You play basketball in Western Kentucky, and now you're in the NFL. Right. How did we get here? I had a friend who played for uh, my college football team. And they were just, they were always telling me to try to come play football, and I was always turned down. Had you, had you ever played before? Uh, no, I played like in seventh grade, but it wasn't like anything too crazy. You just like I wasn't really like, I wasn't taking it too serious, I feel like. Okay. And then um, I came out one year, that was a funny story. I, I did one year where I, uh, <laughs> my senior year, I already signed to go play college basketball. And uh, I went to one of my coaches, the, the new football coach in my high school was like, hey, I come out, like, just just come out for one day. And if you don't like it, then, you know, just give it up. So uh, I came out there. I didn't tell my parents anything. I don't know who it was. My high school coach said it wasn't him. But somebody saw me, called my parents. And my mom literally drove her car on the football field <laughs> and came and got me <laughs> off the football field. Oh, really? Like, onto the field. What and did, put me off the field. What did everyone, did, did you everybody get made fun of that? Yeah, everybody was laughing, man. Like, I, it's one of the craziest stories. People still talk about it. You were a huge part of that Monday night performance. Like, what does it mean when you guys go into the locker room and you run for 200 plus yards on the ground? I mean, it means a lot. I mean, especially for to have two backs like we do that can just, uh, you know, do so many different things. Like you got Penny who can just, you know, 
stretch the field and just run. Uh, you know, got some speed to him. And just, you know, he can lower his shoulder. Then you got Chris who just, you know, he wants to contact, he wants to run through people uh, and embarrass you. So and it makes it, it's like a one-two punch, man. And we got those two guys like that. It makes everything a lot easier for us. Is it weird? You're, you're one of the veterans now. Yeah, that's crazy, right? Yeah. I, I was mean, just laughing and joking about that. So, so right, right now, like you've experienced a, a dramatic change in the locker room where like it's gone from all those Legion of Boom players right. to now the, the identity of the team. What is it? What, what is it centered around? I don't even, I don't even know what to say. I guess it would, I, I would say, uh, you know, we just, our leaders, uh, Russ, Bobby, and of course, Dwayne, uh, those guys are leading. We, we don't, it's not kind of how it was. I mean, just being in the locker room with LOB and, and stuff like that, I mean, you could just feel it was them, you know, it was, mm -hmm. it was, their, it was theirs, you know. Uh, but once they're, you know, once, after they left, then, you know, right away, Bobby and, uh, and Russ just kind of took over things, and Dwayne, and yeah, you know, we set a tempo. You know, uh, they set a tempo in the first meeting, just telling people exactly what we're doing. Just everybody know your role. Everybody know what we got to do, and let's go out here and get to work. What's it like being in all these close games? Because they're all close games. Man, you know what, man? Nobody's folded. Nobody's folded, man. Like nobody's like, even like with some of those plays where you know it, they go down and we might give up a, of a score up on, on offense or something like that. Mm -hmm. No one panics. That's one thing I can say about this team, man. Nobody panics. They get back to it, man, and, you know, get back on the field, and, and we try to get the points back, man, and try to get ourselves back on the, back in the game. Is is there a reason that nobody panics? Is there is there what 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 is it? Because I think we got that... a lot of battle tested guys, man, mm. uh, up front, of course, and also, uh, you know, Russ is huge. Russ and Bobby both, man, Dwayne, they're, they're huge for us, man. They don't they don't let anybody. You don't when you, when you look at your leaders and you know you see no panic or no worry in their eyes, man. You, is, is big for the team. So, I, uh, I can imagine. And, and yeah, you guys have so many players like that. And get <laughs> 10 and 2, man. It's man, been a really impressive fun. season thus far. How about how about running the ball? Like okay. how about you become the backfield? Yeah, you're the fridge. You don't want to do that? Why not? I'm good, I'm good. You're good. You're big up there. Let me get some space, you know what I mean? Rock and maneuver around. <laughs> hey, you come right down here. Nah, but I don't care, man. Whatever I can do to help us win, that's you know. That's what we need to win, and I, of course I'll do it for sure. I'm sure, like you, you, when you're downfield blocking one of yeah. these defensive backs. Yeah. I mean, like they're 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 bigger than me, but right. like if I'm in those shoes, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm not feeling oh, yeah. so bad. Nah, 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 I might sure. need to change my pants. For sure, nah. It's funny, man. They they. It's even funnier, like when sometimes you know they have me split out wide, like I'm like out wide, and the receiver, I mean, the DB's like, "What are you doing out here?" <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing out here? But it's fun, man. They, Shotty and uh, Pete, you know, they make it fun. They line me up different places, and uh, I get to do different different things. So it's uh, it's just fun to be utilized like that, man. For them to find a way to put me on the field somehow, some way, and just a blessing to be in this situation. Yeah, and 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 you're you're on this great team again. And I, I was curious now that you've been in the locker room for a while, like. It, I, I'm imagining it's not exactly like a sitcom where every single person's a character, right. but I imagine there are certain guys that you identify with certain things. So who would you say is the most serious, like the strong, silent type of the locker room? <sighs> most serious, strong type of the locker room. Man, that's tough. There's nobody really like that, honestly, I don't think. Really? Uh, so every, everyone talks a little bit? Yeah, everybody talks a little bit. I guess Bobby sometimes. Bobby. Like Bobby, Bobby, he, he turns it on and off. You know, he, he'll play around and joke around, but you know, I mean, you also know when he's serious. You mentioned jokes. Who's the funniest? Uh, <laughs> not even trying, but Fluke, man, he's hilarious. Fluke. But he, comedy. P 
pure comedy, man. He just, just some of the stuff, you know, he just says, and he's just a, a good dude, he's funny. Who is the toughest person in the locker room? DB. Dwayne Brown. As far as like, nobody wants to mess with you, like, just playing through, like, just being nicked up, or not even nicked up, man, just being, you know, at his age, he's a little older, you know, and, and you know, he, don't, he doesn't miss a lot, man. He really doesn't. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, just, just watching him take care of himself, and he's a tough dude, man. He's really good to have in the locker room. Who talks the most? Me. Yeah, you're the, you're the loudest I, guy in the locker room. Bro, I'm like, and I do it, you know, for another reason. Why? Like, that's how I keep myself going, you know? Like, I, like, if I don't talk to people or just talk or something like that, like, I lose a lot of interest and stuff. Gotcha, so, okay. So I'm, like, constantly talking, like, constantly doing something, joking with somebody. I probably am the, the clown, too. But okay. <laughs> well, I like that. I'm constantly doing something. Do you, do you talk trash during the game? No, not unless somebody say anything to me. You say something to me, then I'll- So you're a retaliator, okay. That's, yeah. I think that's always the best way to go. Yeah, if you say something to me, then I'll, I'll definitely say something back. But uh, no, I'm not, the, I'm not the trash talking type. Who's, sure. who's the best trash talker on the team? The best trash talker. Does anyone uh, talk trash on the team? Yeah, for sure. Bobby talks a lot of trash. Bobby? Yeah. Interesting, I wouldn't have guessed that one. Yeah, man, he's, uh, but it's good stuff. You know, it's not like he, he ain't saying anything crazy about you, but you know, he, he'll let you know you're trash. <laughs> he'll let you know you're trash for sure. He'll let you know you're trash. That's awesome. You're married to an ex-college basketball player, right? And you have you have two kids. Yeah. Do you do you expect one of them to be a professional athlete? So I think they both want to be professional. They're both without a doubt. Do, oh my god. What's what sport? What's what sport do you think that they'll be playing? I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm trying to keep them away from football, but. My youngest, my oldest loves football so far right now, and my uh, my youngest likes uh, baseball. Baseball. Yeah. So. Interesting. Let's see how it goes. Listen, baseball. Baseball is a sport. Yeah, I feel man, like I, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with what he. <laughs> hopefully, he doesn't get. I, mean, I think he'd be really tall too. Like, like the way they're looking, like they're gonna be really, really tall. Be a big giant pitcher on the mound. Yeah. I mean, or smashing yeah. dingers all what, over the whatever, place. Bro, whatever we can get him doing. But you know, I'm obviously not gonna push it on him. You know. Uh, It'll, it'll happen the way it should happen. Yeah. You know, they, they'll fall in love with the sport, and, um, you know, it doesn't really matter where you start at. Obviously, I'm a testament to that. You know, I never yeah. played football, really. I never, I hated football. You hated it? I hated it. And, and, and look then, at uh, you now. Now you're the, the Seattle Seahawks mauler, just wrecking <laughs> dudes downfield and helping them run for all sorts of yards. Yep, that's it, man. We just we just need to get you the ball. Somehow. Hey, somehow, somebody. We, I, I'm telling you, you you need you need to get a handoff, George, the refrigerator fan, <laughs> to get a touchdown carry, mashing through guys at the very end of the game. That'd be fun, man. He's George Fant. George, best of luck the rest of the way. Uh, clearly, you are good at NBA 2K. I would I love to see that. you play against Dwayne Brown. Hey, man, we might be able to make that happen. I like it. I like it. All right, it's got to happen, Dwayne. Come on. Let's Look at what he just Let's did here. Going. All right, this has been Hawks Live Gaming. Have a good evening, everybody. All right, thanks to Paul Gallant and Big George Fant. Coming up next, Paul Moyer, Michael Bumpus, and myself, Dave Wyman. We're going to give you the keys to victory and we'll give you our final thoughts right here on Hawks Live. Hawks, Hawks Live. Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. Dave Wyman, Paul Moyer, Michael Bumpus. The last show, the last Hawks Live is next Thursday at 7 o'clock right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. If you haven't been out to Snoqualmie Casino, get, get yourself out of here. It's not that far. Beautiful place out here. Awesome restaurant, Vista. 
really good food. Paul, you can attest to that. You were uh, downing awesome. a cheeseburger yes, earlier. Yes, I was. Thank you, downing. <laughs> I was eating it very appropriately. Oh, I, I saw it wolfed down, but it looked yes. like it was really good. All right, guys, final thoughts tonight. Uh, I think I probably say this every week. Like, I'm really curious to see what happens maybe before Minnesota. You know, what kind of team. I guess I'm more curious to see what the Rams are about. I feel like I know what the Seahawks are about. The last three games, their offensive line and their running game has stepped up to the challenge. That they've played against top 10 run defenses and performed really well, especially last week with 218 yards on the ground. But we've become accustomed to, over the last three games, the defense playing really well. The the thing I can't figure out going into this game is... Which Los Angeles Ram team is going to show up? The one that killed the number 32 defense in Arizona? Or is it going to be, you know, uh, the team that kind of struggles and got shut down by the Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, I think, um, obviously, you you respect every opponent in the NFL. Um, The Rams are coming off um, a good game. They beat the Arizona Cardinals, so their confidence is high, and I think McVay has kind of changed his game plan a little bit. He's more on the deacon dunk, the short stuff. As long as the Seattle Seahawks tackle and wrap up, just do not miss tackles and allow these speedsters to get uh, 10, 15-yard uh, yaks a- after they cast the rock. I think they'll be fine. Now, the Rams are sixth in the league with about 38, 39 sacks, um, so they, they have shown they'll get after the quarterback. You're dealing with Aaron Donald, the best player in the NFL, whoever, depending on who you talk to. Um, Clay Matthews is having a decent season. He has uh, about, I think, seven or eight seven sacks, sacks himself. Yeah. So um, that defense on paper and statistically it's better than the Hawks defense. Are they playing that way? I don't think so. I think the Hawks defense is playing at a high level right now. Um, as long as the Hawks are able to run the football, tackle, I think they'll be fine. I think it's going to be a close game like most Hawks games are. Yeah, I, I look at um, the Seahawks are on a playoff run right now. You know, they played San Francisco, played Philadelphia, and then last week against Minnesota. How did we do against three playoff teams? Well, we won. And I would say two pretty convincingly, uh, Philadelphia and, and, and Minnesota. I, I look at San Francisco. They Let's look at their playoff run. Well, they played uh, Arizona twice, probably should have lost twice, lost to us, um, lost to the Ravens. In between, they beat I, I don't, Green Bay, I believe. And, and there are yep. some teams from a matchup standpoint that San Francisco is going to do exceptionally well against. And that are teams that can throw, that live off throwing the football like Green Bay. And I actually think they're going to whoop up on New Orleans. I, I, I just got a feeling that that matchup favors San Francisco. Now let's go look at the Rams. The Rams are struggling. I mean, you know, they, they beat Arizona. Well, guess what? If you got time to throw and you play against the worst defense in the league, you're going to have a lot of success. I'm going to go with Bumpus on this one. We need to tackle well. We can't give up any long touchdowns. We can give up a 20-yard throw here and there. But if you go look at Goff, if Goff doesn't have time, he's going to dink it. He's only been sacked 19 times this year. I mean, that's not – or maybe he's 22. I mean, it's not it's very 19. much. Yeah. It's 19. So wh- what does that mean? Well, he's going to get rid of the ball quick. So one of two things is going to happen. He's going to dink it or he's going to throw an interception. If he has time, if they keep eight guys in and we're not, you know, like we did a couple of years ago, aren't prepared for that, um, which I think we will be, 
it, and we give up those big plays, that's bad. And two, if we don't get pressure on them when they do decide to go and put four or five guys out, that would be bad. I think we will. Their offensive line is nowhere near like they were two years ago and even last year. We are a better football team, but this team's dangerous. I mean, they have to win. They're 7-5. and five. They lose. They're probably out of the playoff hunt. Um, and we clinch a playoff spot if we win. I think the best team wins this game, and I think that's the Seahawks. I think communication on defense is going to be huge, too, this week because they're going to line up in their tight formation, that tight bunch, that tight twin set. They're going to motion guys over. That guy who motions is going to come right across, uh, back across the formation. So they have to be able to communicate and pass things off as well. Yeah, and I think it's gotten so much better for the defense with Quandre Diggs yep. back there. Bradley McDougal has played so much better, and – yeah, it's it's interesting to see this the, their offense and how they're going to react because I guess I don't see a Todd Gurley that's limping around necessarily out there. I just see a Todd Gurley that doesn't have huge holes to run through, and the the way that offense has been operating over the last couple of years, that's what it's been for yeah, him. Yeah, the the one concern I have is the matchup on Cup, and and it's probably going to be King in that situation. So that will be interesting to see what we do there. I think we're going to see more nickel. Uh, in this game, I, than I, think, I think you have to. I mean, it, they've got Woods, they've got Cooks, they have uh, Cup. I mean, girl, uh, yeah, we we got to match up with in that this situation. And on top of that, you've got uh, Kendricks, who's who's nursing a hamstring, so that means you got you know Barton out there. I think Barton's a fantastic linebacker, but I don't think I want to see him against uh, Cup all day long. Yeah, one well, and then a rookie, Ugo Amadi. We keep waiting to see him, and I'm not sure if they trust him enough to get him out there certainly he's a great player yeah. but uh but we'll see how about the receivers michael it's it's interesting to see like tyler lockett you know he's just not been himself i guess the last couple of weeks he was targeted three times had zero catches i felt like russell has found a new best buddy in <laughs> in uh jacob hollister he is yeah there there was a couple of times where <laughs> there was one throw to hollister where i thought uh tyler lockett was he was hooked up a little bit further down field and he had found a spot in the zone and russ was focused in on on hollister but do you think we're going to see all of a sudden tyler lockett get back on track with russ and and have that connection that they had prior to his injury i think so because there's an injury one week and then there's a sickness the next week and i was talking to my buddy and my football is not like hoop where you can kind of find your you can play sick jordan dropped 50 on whoever when he was sick you find your spot you're good in football Every play is so is so explosive. Like you have to be explosive every single play. And when you're sick, it's just hard to do that. And I look at Lockett, and he just didn't look really explosive. He looked like he's doing his job. He's in the right spot. He's where he's supposed to be. But he just wasn't the same. So I think that he'll be healthy. He'll be ready to go. And uh, we'll see the good old number 16. Yeah, I'd like to see a different yak. I don't want him yakking from the flu. I want oh, yards after catch. Nicely instead. done. And play. I think he's going to have a huge game because he hasn't been on film really the last two weeks. Yeah. And you, you game plan on what you see on film. So we'll see what happens there. He could have a big game. You guys feel good about this game? I hate it because whenever I feel good about it, like the last two weeks, oh, we won. Then, yeah. Okay. Still nervous. Oh, all right, then. Well, still, let's go that still way. nervous. Still nervous. I'm always nervous. Always going to be nervous yes. with this team. They seem to always play it tight. Yep. Well, I want to thank you guys, Paul Moyer, uh, Michael Bumpus, and special thanks to our engineer, Brenna Hutchison, and our board operator, Brian Shoney, and, of course, our wonderful executive producer, NASA Choby. We'll talk to you next week. It's our last Hawks Live out here at the Snoqualmie Casino next Thursday at 7 Join us. Come out here or listen on the radio, 710 ESPN. We'll talk to you next week.
Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. All new this year, a Seahawks player every week will sit down for an interview while playing their favorite video game. Watch the interview on our Twitch channel, youtube.com slash mynorthwest and 710sports.com. 